Welcome back to the Innovation Network, a podcast from the ABA Center for Innovation. As the legal industry evolves and changes, the Innovation Network will be here bringing you interviews with those agents of change on the front lines. We talk about new service delivery models, court-based innovations, and other developments that positively impact the public access of legal services and information. I'm Joey Gartner, Deputy Director of the Center for Innovation. It's been a few months since you've last heard from us here on the Innovation Network, but we want to bring you back today with a fantastic guest. Joining me today will be Colin Williams, the founder and chairman of New Era. New Era is an ADR uh, company that's recently launched the venture, trying to tackle how the legal system can adapt dispute resolution for the 21st century. The platform offers virtual mediation, digital arbitration, and even resolution planning to help mitigate future disputes. New Era launched in April to a lot of buzz, so we're very excited to have Colin join us as we start season two of the Innovation Network. Colin, why don't you start off uh, by telling us a little bit about yourself and what New Era is? Thanks, Joey. Uh, first, I really appreciate you guys having us on. A um, little bit about me. So I've been an attorney about uh, 18 years, which is shocking. It seems like yesterday I graduated law school, <laughs> uh, but started my career as a litigator, um, actually down in Jackson, Mississippi, of all places. Um, was down at Butler Snow, a fantastic law firm down there, and did a lot of diet, drug, and pharmaceutical defense work and uh, actually tobacco litigation. Um, I'm originally from Chicago, so when I was done at Butler Snow, I came back up to Chicago and joined Greenberg Traurig uh, and spent almost 10 years there as mostly a commercial litigator, um, but also doing a lot of bankruptcy work and labor and employment work. Uh, I left Greenberg to go into the world of tech uh, and joined Oracle, um, right when Oracle was moving into the cloud to compete with AWS and Google and, and all those fantastic companies, which was super exciting. It gave me really my introduction to the technology world and how all this stuff worked. Um, left Oracle to, to join a couple of startups um, when I realized it was never going to become general counsel of Oracle. Uh, so, uh, and, and spent the last four years uh, working at a fantastic startup uh, called Reverb.com. So for anybody out there who's a musician, uh, Reverb is pretty similar. They would hate me to say this, but it's pretty similar to eBay for musical instruments, but really adheres more to the music culture and uh, is really, it's just a fantastic platform. It's a great company. So spent the last four years there as general counsel, uh, took it through an acquisition by Etsy in 2019. Also a fantastic technology company, have nothing but positive things to say about Etsy and all the wonderful people there. Um, and then actually left, uh, resigned back in December um, and started down this path. Um, so to get to your question about what New Era ADR is, <laughs> not to ramble too long here. Well, um, it's, Colin, it's funny you brought up Reverb because I recently purchased the new turntable off of Reverb probably about three months ago. <laughs> that is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, again, Reverb is such a, a fantastic company. And obviously I was there very recently um, and I'm still a good friend with everybody there and their new CEO. You know, I joined Reverb originally because it was, uh, it had this, unbelievable entrepreneur as a founder named David Kalt, um, who's just an incredible person and, and really a fantastic businessman that I wanted to learn from. Uh, and David left after the acquisition by Etsy. Uh, and they have a new CEO, David Mandelbrot, who's also an amazing uh, founder entrepreneur, who's their new CEO. And I just, I love everything that they're doing over there. So it's kind of bittersweet to leave. Um, but this has been calling me. So I'm glad that it's still being supported. I will continue to support it. It's a great platform, a great company. So tell us a little bit about New Era. So you, you, you're excited, you've made this move, you have a really interesting and diverse background in both 
the law and entrepreneurship. Uh, sort of talk about talk about New Era and, and what brought you here and what you're hoping to do in this space. Yeah, so this New Era really arose out of an experience I had when I was at Greenberg. I was, uh, this could be a very long story, but I'll make it very, very short. I was representing a client who was uh, in a technology consulting business, had been in it for about 14 years um, with one other partner. Um, and they had a, a very acrimonious falling out. Um, and so they decided they need to go their separate ways, but the operative documents did not provide any way that they could do that in a simple manner. So to make a very long story short, we ended up in litigation. Um, I handled it for three years before I left for Oracle. I passed it on to my boss when I left for Oracle. Um, it, it, it extended for six years. Uh, he spent $1.2 million in legal fees. And the, the case basically settled on the eve of trial for about, let's just say low five figures without getting into too many of the details there. Um, but what really spurred this whole thing was, you know, obviously I was gone at the time, but my former client called me and he said, you know, I'm really happy this is over, right? He had had this dark cloud sort of looming over his head, both per personally and professionally for the better part of six years uh, and was really miserable and unhappy, like just couldn't move on with his life and do the things that he wanted to do. But what he really said that struck me is he, he told me, he said, Colin, look, you know, in six years, I don't care that I had to hire attorneys. I don't care that I had to go to court. None of that bothers me. What bothers me is that I attended every status hearing, every motion hearing over the course of this case. So I was in court, you know, 80 times. And not one time did I ever stand in front of the judge and say, Your Honor, this is what happened. And I don't know if I'm right. I don't know if I'm wrong. Um, and I don't really care. What I care about is telling you my story and you giving me a decision and telling me if I was right or wrong. And if I have to pay, that's fine. If I, if I get paid, that's fine. Once again, I just want to be judged and heard, right? Um, and it really, it just rang a bell with me, right? Because over the course of 11 years of litigation, I had had this experience in almost every case. Mm -hmm. You know, all the clients ever told me is, look, when do I get to tell my story? When do I get to explain what happened? And my response was almost inevitably, never, um, very likely never, right? <laughs> because cases don't go to trial. They don't. And what happens is they usually settle because it's just too expensive and people can't take it anymore. So I started thinking, well, what if there was a platform that focused not on the process and the procedure associated with litigation, but focused on the story and the individuals and their, their ability to go in front of somebody and have that cathartic moment of telling somebody what happened? So that, that, that's, I mean, I, I think that almost anyone who's litigated has probably had a similar experience, right? Something that drags on for a period of time. And, and the end result is, is significantly less than what was spent to get there. And on top of it, people don't necessarily feel heard. Right. How does your platform work to sort of bridge that gap? Yeah, so there's two parts of our platform. Um, I'll start with just the technology piece to kind of get it out of the way. Obviously the pandemic has, um, you know, the pandemic has created a world where people are doing things digitally, but in the legal world, everybody is still cobbling things together to create these processes, right? So I very much view it as treading water, right? Um, so you're using Dropbox, you're using G Suite, you're using 365, you're using Zoom, you're trying to do all these things to create these processes that make a digital arbitration or mediation. And it's functional, but it's painful. And sometimes it doesn't work. It's not necessarily secure. So from the basis standpoint, what we're doing are table stakes products that are coming out 
are really just facilitating arbitration and mediation all under one roof. So doing the calendaring, the document uploading, um, all the communication, all that good stuff in one spot, making sure it's secure, purpose-built for the legal industry, um, and just putting all that under one roof to make th these processes as simple as possible. So that's just, I just want to get that technology piece out of the way. Now, when you talk about being heard, um, what we're really doing is, it's ironic because people think technology, it's super complex and it does amazing things. We want to bring things, we want to make things as simple as humanly possible, right? Our motto is let's go back, let's use technology to go back to simplicity. And by that, I mean, when you litigate things in court or you litigate things in traditional arbitration forms, there are books and books and books and books and volumes of procedure and rules, right? And those are the things that you need to follow to get through the process. It's very much our thesis that 95% of that stuff is not necessary, right? So we're ripping that out and saying, look, the focus, focus of this should be on a couple of things. Number one, there should be process and rules around pushing you through the process and making sure you adhere to deadlines. Number two, we should have a time box on this, right? So usually when you start litigation, you, you don't know how long it's gonna take. It could take weeks, months, years, whatever it may be. And usually, let's be honest, that's years. So we're saying we're gonna get everything done in 100 days for an arbitration, even shorter for mediation. So we're starting at that time box and saying, let's operate within this time box. And if something happens that means we have to deviate from that time box, we'll deal with that. But having an open-ended process dictates that you're gonna extend through that open-ended process and it's gonna take a very, very long time. So what we're saying is, look, the rules and the process that allow that, that you to extend through this open-ended time period and just do things um, that don't necessarily get you to the end game, we're not allowing that. We're pulling all that stuff out, right? There's no rule 12, rule 56, rules of federal or federal rules of evidence, this type of thing. Um, we're saying, look, we're gonna put the power in the hands of the neutral. So we use that term for the arbitrators and the mediators. And we're gonna say, the neutral is gonna tell both parties, or however many parties there are, what they need to see to make a decision. At the end of the day, we think that's the, the, the central thesis of litigation should be put the power into the hands of the party that makes the decision, not necessarily put the power into the hands of the parties, right? Mm -hmm. So when you do that and you say, and, and, and our arbitrators believe this and our mediators believe this, that the philosophy is I need to see certain things to make a decision, but mostly what I need to see is the people and I need to hear their stories, right? Because that's what helps me evaluate whether or not the veracity of what somebody's saying, um, that helps me determine who is right or wrong. So I don't need to see one piece of paper amidst millions of pieces of paper uh, that may be hearsay and I have to exclude it and we've spent six months milling about doing that. That doesn't help anybody be heard, right? So once again, we're ripping that stuff out saying it's not necessary. And we're focusing on putting those parties in front of a neutral party who's seen and done everything and saying, tell your story, give this person the documents and the information that they need to make a decision, be heard, and then get your decision. That is really interesting. So in a lot of ways, what it sounds like you're doing is uh, el eliminating a lot of the, the barriers that sort of uh, cause, cause cases to, to languish and drag on. And instead, what you're replacing them with is a system that's focused on expediency, but also on sort of a, a fundamental fairness of how we're approaching it. Is it fair to say that? 
It is absolutely fair to say that. I mean, when you look at the crux of what we're doing, when we look at those books and volumes of rules and procedures, at its most base level, we asked ourselves, what parts of this are necessary to allowing parties to tell their story and get a decision? And as you, as you can probably delineate from what I've said, we came to the conclusion that not much of it, right? Um, and you know, there's also an access to justice component to this. You know, if you have somebody who can't afford an attorney and you put them in a scenario where they're, they're trying to represent themselves, right? They're going pro se and you put them into court or even a traditional arbitration forum and then you hand them the volumes of, of documents and, and rules and procedure, they're, they're gonna lose, right? They've lost from day one. And, you know, we want people, once again, if, if the motive of those people is to go tell their story, what we want them to do is to, to focus on that, give this neutral party as much information as they possibly can. The neutral party can determine what can and cannot be considered, right? That's what they do. But allow that person to not get bogged down in the process and the procedure of this whole thing and to tell their story, right? So you, get, you mentioned like fundamental fairness. We believe we're implementing fundamental fairness into this process. And that's not to say that attorneys aren't useful in this. Absolutely attorneys are useful in this. We're trying to tell attorneys, go do the part of this that's fun. Do the advocating for your client, tell the story. You know, the, the pushing paper back and forth is not the fun part about this. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I mean, absolutely. You, you just hit it on the head. Like there's, there's this aspect of fundamental fairness and equity and storytelling. That's what we're all about. So let me ask you, what kind of disputes is, is New Era looking to help people solve? Where, where are your boundaries? Is it, are we saying everything or are, are you guys targeting specific uh, practice niches that you think are really areas that might be sensitive to some disruption yeah. and some change? Yeah, really good question. Um, you know, there have been a couple of players out there that have tried to um, really winnow in on certain verticals. And a lot of that's been focused on kind of the the small claims type of cases. Mm -hmm. to, to, to give you a very short answer to your question, we are not focused on any specific cases. We are open to the world. Now, that sounds like kind of a strange answer, but the reality is we don't think focusing on small claims it <laughs> makes any sense. Number one, because if you look at the court process, small claims actually works pretty well. Um, it can be reasonably quick. It's not particularly difficult to understand. So when you're talking about claims like $25,000 and under, we don't necessarily think that's the problem area. So when I tell you we're open to everything, we really think about this though in the concept of, within the concept of the middle market of litigation. So if you look at cases that sit somewhere between like $25,000 up to like $50 million, that's where we think that we play really well. And that could be okay. contract claims, it can be family law claims, it could be labor and employment claims. We're not choosing any, any verticals within there. But the reason we chose, we, we talk about that area, we're happy to do a $100 million case. We're happy to do a billion dollar case. But when you talk about that parameters and that middle market, there's a reason behind it. And that's because when people talk about access to justice, it's not just people who are economically disadvantaged or underrepresented minorities who are pushed out of it. It's small businesses. It's relatively large businesses. Um, because these folks don't have litigation funds. They don't have litigators on staff. And so they're priced out of this, this scenario too, right? You can't take a $100,000 case to court. You're going you're gonna to spend more than you're ever going to get back. Right. You probably can't take a million dollar case. 
In a lot of instances, a $10 million case isn't gonna make sense. So what we wanna do is focus on those, everybody who's priced out of this, out of the justice system, we wanna make sure that they have a place to go. And you know, $50,000 is a lot of money to a small business. $100,000 is a lot of money to a small business. $10 million is a lot of money to a big business. And if you can't get any resolution for those disputes, you're effectively priced out too. So that's sort of where we think we should start, but we're not saying that we're, you know, we're conscripted by anything. We'll take any dispute. Um, and it doesn't have to be formal litigation. If you're headed down the direct direction of litigation, we'd love to talk to you and see if we can solve it before you ever get there. That, that's, that's a really fascinating uh, approach. And I think it's fascinating for two reasons, Collins. The first reason it's fascinating is like you hit on and like I want to talk about for a little bit is that the current ADR or, or, or specifically the current ODR climate really tends to be focused on small claims and really in a lot of ways tends to be more about uh, getting parties paid and less about necessarily getting resolution. Right. Uh, what about this current space uh, really inspired you to open this up to, to those kind of big ends of, of the spectrum to say, we're here for everybody, but really we want to fill that gap in the middle where no one's getting good outcomes. How, do, how does the current ADR and ODR climate uh, steer that decision for you? Yeah, I mean, I think when you, you look at the experience of the team, um, so basically we've got three former general counsels, including me uh, on our full-time team, right? And then we've got Michelle who ran operations and experienced this pain, ran legal operations. But when you look at what we did as general counsels, as businesses that optically were incredibly successful, right? And they were incredibly successful. When you look at Reverb and Shane was at Home Chef and Rich was at Civis Analytics, these were very successful businesses. Um, they were really well known in the city of Chicago and, and nationally. And I think everybody looked at them and thought, oh, well, you know, they have all this money and they're doing so well. That's not the truth, right? There's a difference between being successful and growing and doing all sorts of fantastic things and being cash flow positive. Very, very different things. So when you're a growth company, you may be, you know, year over year, you may be growing 200%. And that means your general sales, if we're, if we're talking about a company that sells, is increasing at that amount. But then you're growing headcount, you're investing in more things. That doesn't mean that you've got a bunch of money sitting in the bank. So we all looked at it from the standpoint of, wow, what if, what if litigation had come down the pipeline and it was, you know, a $10 million case? And uniformly, Rich, Shane, and I across the board were like, well, we have two options, which is you go raise money to do nothing other than to handle that litigation, whether that's from a bank or investors, or you get out of business, mm -hmm. right? So think about that from the perspective of me at Reverb, where I'm staring at 200 people every day that are employed by this company and depending on it for their livelihood and thinking in my mind, if we get sued, we have a fundamental issue here that I can't afford to necessarily defend it, um, depending on certain things, right? Obviously we could afford to defend certain things, but you know, $10 million, we're in deep trouble. Sure, sure. And so we all said, well, that's wrong, right? You know, there has to be some other way that you could do this and that you could tell your story and be heard and get a resolution, even if you're wrong, and not spend your entire company out of existence. Um, so that's, you know, and then we also thought, you know, when you think about just the expenditures that go into running a litigation and the travel and all the other stuff that comes along with it, and the fact that we live in a digital world, right? I mean, the things that we can do on our phones 
I mean, 30 years ago, people would have thought we were completely insane. Right? <laughs> right? You can get a mortgage, you can buy a car, you can have a doctor's visit, you can fulfill prescriptions, you can talk to somebody in Hong Kong on video, right? And we looked at it and said, well, this is amazing, all this stuff that you can do, yet here we are still carrying boxes of documents into court. And here we are filling out orders at the Daily Center using carbon paper and pencils. <laughs> like, you know, there's something fundamentally wrong there. And so when you combine all these things, we just thought, well, what about the opportunity to make a digital platform that's not, you know, inexpensive, allows you to tell your story, gives companies like ours the ability to not be put out of business and, uh, and mixed all that into one big pot and said, well, that seems to be a unique offering <laughs> outside of what's traditionally been offered in ODR. Yeah. So yeah, I, I guess you could call us, we, we blended a, a unique blend of chili altogether and this is where we ended up. You know, it's, it's my fundamental belief, Colin, that we will, we will know that the legal profession has officially changed and evolved when uh, early career associates don't have horror stories about being chased through the Daily Center by a clerk for accidentally stealing carbon paper. Um, <laughs> that's, that's my fundamental belief of how we'll know changes arrive. Um, I so, think you're right. <laughs> so the, the second thing that I found really interesting about that approach, not only was that you wanted to expand where ADR and ODR serve people online, um, it was that looking at the, the top end of that is really that this is a product that's designed for, uh, in a lot of ways, businesses to resolve problems that don't result in ending businesses. And I think that's really cool. And that's something that uh, really I find interesting about how you're approaching this uh, from the sense of, you know, I think many of us have worked for or have probably have friends or colleagues who have worked for companies that due to litigation have stopped existing at some point in time or, or have certainly uh, had to scale back operations because of that. You know, in, in, in your ideal world, what kind of solutions do you see uh, New Era being able to provide people that, that maybe aren't available or, or aren't necessarily available in the traditional model that we're talking about? Yeah, well, I think that's actually kind of a roadmap question. Um, and we're, you know, there's a lot of things that we're super excited about. So we, we definitely view like, these more traditional ODR products, like, although we, I think we're doing some really interesting things with respect to like doing mediations with the opportunity to get a binding decision and things like that. Um, and doing expedited arbitrations and doing, obviously doing everything digitally is a little revolutionary, although we're not, certainly not the first people to try it. Um, but when you think about the roadmap down the line, I, I think there's some really amazing things to, to do. And without giving away, you know, the whole roadmap, I will tell you a couple of things. I think that there is an amazing amount of talent uh, in this country who, at resolving disputes. And by that, you know, we partnered with an organization called the National Academy of Distinguished Neutrals that has, you know, a thousand plus members. And all these people are incredibly experienced, have been doing this for a very long time. And they have the ability to solve disputes, right? So, and each of them has maybe a particular skill set or a talent or something that they've really done a lot of, you know, per particular type of case. And the difficulty is matching the right case with the right neutral to solve it. Oh, right? okay. Yeah. So we think a lot about like a marketplace for the neutrals, 
and, and being geographically agnostic because everything can be done digitally. If you have that perfect case in Florida and the, the best neutral to resolve that dispute is in Seattle, well, let's figure out how to connect those people so we've created efficiency in the process and we get the best result possible. So that's something that I think is unique and, and we're tackling right now. Um, and then we're really, really interested in the fact that there is an unbelievable amount of information, an unbelievable amount of information uh, on legal cases out there right now. So if you think about PACER and you think about all the fragmented states, uh, state systems doing all this type of stuff, that all that information can tell us so many things and it can give you so many insights into how you should resolve a dispute, whether you should resolve a dispute, when you should resolve the dispute. Um, we're really interested in figuring out how to use that information in a beneficial way to make, to assist people and give it, you know, give them more intelligence in making better decisions in litigation. So you talk about the table stake stuff, that's what we're doing right now. And then you talk about some things that's just insight into two things that we think are possible down the road. Uh, we have about 50 things that we think are possible and, you know, we'll, we'll cater the roadmap to what we think best serves people's needs and interests. But there's a lot of exciting stuff to be here, done here that has, just hasn't been done. Oh, this is, this is fascinating. And I, I, I love that you, you're not only thinking about the here and now of the product, but the future of it as well. That's a really cool, cool uh, mentality of here are the 50 worlds of possibilities. Let's let the market kind of dictate which ones make sense for us. Tell us a little bit about the journey of launching New Era, uh, what that's looked like, and how you've gotten to this point where, you know, the, this is a real tangible product in the world that people are using to re resolve their uh, conflicts. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll never forget, you know, when you start down this path and you just start asking people who have done it, you know, what's, what's the experience like? How do I get a startup off the ground? And the inevitable response you will get is, you better be ready for this to be beyond incredibly hard. Um, and they're right. <laughs> it's really, 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 really difficult. Um, so, you know, this was an idea that I had four or five years ago. Um, and, you know, I started basically planting the seeds for it and, and fumbling around with some some offshoring development, trying to build like the initial platform and things. And I was just doing this when I had any free time, right? Uh, which was not a lot. And, you know, I did those things and I, I sort of motored my way through them. And obviously they weren't functional products. And it dawned on me at some point that like, and, and this is difficult for me because I, I, I'm not a lone wolf, but I do tend to like to do things on my own and just get stuff done. It dawned on me that I needed help and I needed to find the right people to help. So then that started me down the path of like building an advisory board. Uh, and that's really, you know, along these lines is where I met Rich and Shane and a lot of the members of the team and stuff. And just getting an opinion, opinions on what should be done, what could be done, um, how to start building engineering teams, how to start putting all these pieces together, these very fragmented pieces into something that looks like a coaching company. Um, and it took a really long time, right? But I think what I learned the most is you can't do everything yourself. And the minute that you think that you can, you're, you're destined to fail. Okay. So bringing in like really good people who see your vision and, you know, and Rich and Shane, Michelle, see the vision and believe in it uh, and getting them involved really early in, in my thought process um, has been vital. 
And everybody on the advisory board just lending their time and their interest and trying to help out has been vital. And, and then just saying, look, I very much look at the evolution of a company as taking one step every day and not trying to get too far ahead of yourself. Because if you do, it can be really, really frustrating. So I look at it as every day I'm gonna wake up, I'm gonna do a podcast, I'm gonna write a blog, I'm gonna to talk to as many people as I can possibly talk to, and that's my step for the day, right? And if I keep taking steps, there is a finish line out there. And even if I'm walking very slowly towards it, as long as I keep walking, I'll get to the finish line. And I think we all fundamentally look at it that way. So we could get into like the nitty gritty of how this whole thing actually came about, but that from sort of a macroscopic philosophical standpoint, that's how I view it. And that's how it's come about. And it's really involving great people who are intelligent and thoughtful and friendly um, and believe in the goodness of people and, and bringing them into a cohesive unit and saying, how can we all do this together? And then walking and walking very slowly. But that got us to the point of April where we finally launched this thing. And it's like, it's, it's great. Um, Dan Melnick is one of our financial advisors. It's, he said, congratulations, you, you've just walked however long it took to get to the starting line. Um, <laughs> what he said was great too. He said, but let's face facts, most people never get to the starting line. So it's something to be celebrated. Yeah, I mean, I think just, just getting to this point is impressive. And, and frankly, getting to this point with, you guys have really generated a, a, a lot of interest in, you know, the, the spaces we occupy, at least, you know, the, the legal, legal tech law Twitter space. Uh, New yeah. Era's definitely been turning some heads. What has that been like? Um, not just getting to the to the starting line, but kind of feeling like you've you've got some interest when you get there, right? That's got to feel at least uh, vindicating that you know you're on the right path for a problem that's trying to be solved, right? Yeah, it, it's been fantastic. And once again, I would I would defer a lot of this to the team and some of the folks we brought on to to really help get the word out. Um, and our investors like Motivate and Alumni Ventures, and um, you know. David Colt and Pete Cadens and um, all these folks have helped on this journey of getting the word out there. And, you know, I, th I think th there's a very mechanical part to that, right? Like you do X, Y, Z to make sure that the press release goes out and you get it to the right avenues and, and people take interest in it. Um, and that's, that part is, is really exciting, but what's really been fun about it is the after effect, right? So when people do see it and they say, I am, I'm, I'm interested. What are, these, what are these people doing? And then they call you and say, let's have a conversation. And telling the story to them and making it more tangible and seeing that your intentions are really good. And what you want to do is, is benefit people and make people's lives easier and make businesses better. Um, on all sides, the law firm sides, the lawyer sides, the client sides, the neutral sides, and everybody sees that you're genuine about that. And it's not just some play to go make tons of money. Um, that's the satisfying part, which is, you know, the, the interest generating is great. Uh, but it's really when even you get a minimal level of cynicism about what you what you're really trying to do, having those conversations and seeing people be like, Oh, all right, well, these guys aren't crazy. They're, they're trying to do something that's really good. One last question for you, Colin, um, about new era, which is, you know, you've made it to this launch point. Uh, you're certainly occupying a space where I think there is a huge need um, and you're doing it in a way that's 
very, very open to, to what may be next. Uh, what are you hopeful for? What are you looking forward to now that you're at the starting point of what you're hoping to accomplish with, uh, with New Era? Yeah, I, I guess there's, there's a couple of things. Um, you know, this is a, a statistic, and I'm not a stats person necessarily, but I think it's a really interesting one um, and a really scary one in a lot of ways that by the end of 2021, the litigation industry in the United States is going to be over a $300 billion industry. Um, what I am interested in, what I would consider success is not like I have, I have no interest in taking business away from attorneys. I actually think we will accelerate the amount of disputes and increase the amount of disputes that exist overtly. I think they all exist at least passively. Um, but like I said, most people don't have the money to actually bring these things to a place where they can get a resolution. So we actually think we're going to increase velocity and increase the amount of business that attorneys have. But when you talk about $300 billion that goes into this funnel of litigation and 50% of it's devoted to motion practice and discovery, we're talking about $150 billion that to a great extent is pushing paper. I would be excited if we could just take a small piece of that, just a small piece because a small piece is a huge piece and devote it to jobs and education and innovation and entrepreneurship and whatever it is and diversity and inclusion and all these good things that people want to talk about. Imagine the impact if you took $10 billion away from just pure litigation and put it into those things, what kind of impact we could have. That's, you know, these are grand plans, right? But even if we're just a small piece of that and we can help to, to divert some of those resources to things that really benefit the world, that would be success. That's what I think gets us excited and what gets us up in the morning. Well, Colin, this has been absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much for uh, agreeing to be on with me today. This is, uh, I have to say, what you are, what you are doing, I think is really just, there, there's a need. And, and when we talk about, you know, we, we talk about it constantly over here at the Center for Innovation that, you know, the 80% or so of people who, who aren't getting access to justice and aren't able to get any sort of resolution for legal issues they may be facing. Uh, a lot of that comes from the gap of people you're trying to help, right? A lot of that comes from in the middle where there's no cost effective way for people to solve problems right now. So I think this is a really interesting place to occupy. And we at the center will certainly be interested to see where this goes. And thank you for being with us today. Uh, I can't thank you enough. I really appreciate it. Um, and yeah, we're excited. If anybody's curious, we'd, we'd love to talk to them. We want to have as many conversations as possible. So um, thanks again for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, no, absolutely. Uh, Colin, where can people find out more about what's going on with New Era? Yeah, absolutely. You can check us out on LinkedIn. Uh, there's always stuff going up. We're also up on Twitter. Um, those are our two main social media platforms. Uh, and most importantly, if you just want to learn about the business and the team and the advisory board, it's www.neweraadr.com. Great. Well, Colin, thank you so much for joining us uh, again. This has been a really interesting conversation, and I think our members will be very excited to sort of hear about what's happening here. Uh, as a reminder, if you are tuning in to the Innovation Network podcast today, we can certainly appreciate if you're able to share and like this interview uh, out on social media using the hashtag ABACIN, and we will talk to you later in the month. Colin, thank you so much. Thanks again.